those guys are so goofy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah, so don't forget next week. Um, yeah, whenever that, that time change hits, it's usually whenever you get off work or whatever. Some people say, I go to work in the dark, I come back in the dark. How many of you guys, that's, that's you. <laughs> well, very good. Well, if you haven't already... Uh, observed. Pastor Beck is not with us this morning. He is in South Carolina with his grandkids. So we wish him um, the very best and time of refreshing with, with Kathy and the, the grandkids. But sometimes, um, like, like I know as well, um, whenever you're around little kids, sometimes you don't get the rest and relaxation that you want or desire. But we, um, <laughs> with his grandkids, we hope he has a, a great time. He'll be back with us next week. So, um, how many of you guys know with, with fall, with uh, things, things changing, how many of you guys have seen so much of the, uh, the leaves changing and you guys have been out and about? Um, my family and I, we went to West Branch State Park a couple days ago and it is beautiful. Uh, make sure you take advantage of the leaves turning and um, things changing. So, so much of fall is you got... You know, you got the, the, the leaves changing, you got football, make sure, uh, awesome win for the Buckeyes last night, and we'll see about the Browns today. Um, but make sure you guys, you, you, you think about all the change that happens in fall. One of my favorite things or staples of fall is chili. How many of you guys like a good hot chili? You thought you would get out of talking about food this morning. Mm-mm. My wife Lydia makes an amazing white chicken chili and a chicken tortilla soup. And we had some awesome, just regular chili yesterday, but um, now I'm, I'm, you guys are thinking about food some more. A couple days ago, I, uh, I had went through the drive-thru at Wendy's, and same thing. I was feeling like, hey, I'm going to get some chili there. And you, you go through, and, and usually... Um, you know, I'm like, I'm expecting it to be a little longer. Hey, they were, they were pretty fast this time. Zipped on through, got on through, got my bag, got, uh, came back. And then um, how many know that whenever you expect something to be in the bag and then it's not in the bag, you get a little frustrated, a little disappointed. So, so I had, you know, had a water, had a fry, had a, and then, uh, you know, the chili was in there. But what do you eat chili? What was not in the bag? The spoon. But man, you had one job to do. <laughs> but, but you think about it. Whenever expectations are not met any time in our life, we get frustrated. Whenever we have an expectation, this is how it's supposed to happen. And that doesn't happen. We get frustrated. We get disappointed. Like last year, that was, that was a whole year of failed expectations. We did not expect to go through what we went through. How many of you were expecting to go to the grocery store sometime last year and to be an empty shelf of toilet paper? Not expecting that. Wow. It was the run of 2020 on toilet paper. I can't believe it. There were so many jokes. <laughs> year but failed expectations we get to that point where we have this is how it's supposed to be and then it doesn't happen how do we reconcile that in our mind church have you ever been at a place where you ask yourself god how did i get here how did i get to this place how 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 far have i gone how how did i get to where I am, what, what was the route that I took? What happened? I've been faithful. I've served you. And yet, this is my current situation? Why haven't you acted, God, in the way I've expected? You see, we ask ourselves these questions and these doubts. And all these doubts and questions, they begin to rise in our heart. Where do we go from here? How do we fight the doubt that is in our heart? This morning, church, we're going to look at a story that had a big question. And it was evident that there was doubt in his heart 
something changed, something along the way, something happened, of either a failed expectation or whatever it was, that what, the condition of his heart was not of, not of belief and trust, but of doubt. This man was, was answering. He revealed his heart in a vulnerable way. This man, he was waiting in a prison cell, lonely and in dire need of answers. And Jesus was the one that reminded him, reminded him that he's the one that gives us the answers. Today, church, we're going to look and see that Jesus reminds us whenever the questions and doubts come up. He reminds us of our purpose, our person, and his past faithfulness and presence in the midst of that doubt. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, this morning I pray that your word would come alive in our heart. We know, Lord, that it's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And today I pray, God, that your word would speak to us, that we would hear your voice, hear what you're saying to your church and to us this morning. Speak, I pray, Lord, make your word alive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verses so 1 through 3. Matthew chapter 11. The context of what's going on here in chapter 10, Jesus had just finished instructing the 12 disciples. He sent them off. He said, hey, make sure you don't take an extra cloak. Make sure if somebody welcomes you, you greet them. And he had all these instructions in chapter 10. Chapter 11, there is a little shift in the story. All right, so let's read it. Matthew 11, verse 1. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, here's the question, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Okay, pause right there in the story. Jesus just finished again teaching and sending out the 12 disciples. Then it's about John. We don't really see too much in the Gospel of Matthew. We see him early in chapter 3, and then we have this little little blip up, a little highlight of what's going on in verse 2. John at this point, church, he's in prison. He's heard about the deeds of Jesus, him healing people, amazing miracles happening, but he's in prison, and he asks this question. It's full of intrigue because it reveals his heart where he's at. Are you the one, or are we going to look at someone else? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. So, again, why is John in prison? Okay, we kind of fill in the gaps. In the Gospel of Matthew, it kind of skips around. In chapter 14, there's a little flashback, and we see the context of why John is in prison. All right, Matthew 14. Uh, we're not going to read it. There's a lot of story there, but in that chapter we hear John the Baptist was put in prison because of the sake of Herodias and Herod and Tippus. Because he spoke out that they were in an unlawful relationship. John spoke out, Herod threw him in prison. And there he would wait until Herod would make a promise to Herodias' daughter that would later lead to John the Baptist's death. So that's where the story ends in Matthew 14. But right here, he's in prison. He's waiting. He's lonely. He has his disciples maybe coming and going, telling him the reports. And he has questions. And that question came out. Are you the one, Jesus? Or are we going to look for someone else? Just imagine, again for a moment, John the Baptist. The prophet, he was on the mountaintop, church. He was baptizing people daily. He was preaching to people our repentance. He was making sure that he was preparing the way for Jesus, and yet he finds himself alone, where he asks, are you the one? So where was John? 
where, where kind of look at, you kind of look at the context and you look at uh, a deeper part of it. John is in a place called Machaerus, or Machaeus. We'll go ahead and go to the next slide there. So this is a hilltop on the eastern side of the Dead Sea, okay? So our archaeologists actually dug up, we'll go ahead and go to the next one, and they excavated part of this. This is a fortress. This is one of Herod's fortresses on the eastern side of the Dead Sea. So archaeologists excavated it, and they validated its location, and John was there until his death. Now just imagine, now John's kind of a, a wild man. He's out in the country. He's out in the wild. He's out in the desert, right? The scriptures say that he has, he has, he wears camel's hair. Pretty crazy for a preacher. Somebody walked in with camel's hair. And a leather belt around his waist. He eats locusts and wild honey. How many of you guys have eaten locusts and wild honey before? Honey? Okay, sure. I'll give you that one. Locusts? Mm-mm. Pretty crazy. But this is John. He's, he, he's, he's out in the open. He's baptizing people. And then he goes from out in the open to in prison. And it's almost like he, he's like a caged bird who was once free but now imprisoned. And there comes that question. Are you the one? Are you kidding me, John? How did you go from preaching and preparing the way for Jesus to asking that question. What was, what was the journey there? And church, a lot of times for us, we can't really trace as well how we get to a certain point of doubt. Sometimes we just find ourselves in a, in a pit and we can ask ourselves, how did I get here? And sometimes God reveals our heart and reveals the journey, how we get to a certain point. So let's do a little recap of John's ministry, and then we'll walk through how Jesus responds to his doubts and to our doubt as well and our questions, okay? First point, though, John's ministry, it's really important, his ministry, it was a launching pad, and it was not the main event. It was the launching pad and not the main event. Look with me in Matthew chapter 3, just a little recap of his ministry. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. But people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So we can look and look at this, this real recap, and we can say, John's ministry is taking off. Everything's going well. People are coming out to him. He knows, he knows what's going on. He knows his purpose. And yet, things are going well. Crowds were coming, people were confessing their sins, people were being baptized, and lives were changed. John was preparing Israel for Jesus to come. And then Jesus shows up, and then we have the great baptism. Let's look at that real quickly. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, no, no. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So church, again, think through what John is experiencing. He saw all this. He experienced it. He had the validation from heaven itself that said, this is him. This is my son. Listen to him. This is the one that you've been looking for. And he saw Jesus 
come up out of the water and the, and the spirit descend on him like a dove. John saw all that. He continues his ministry until he's then thrown in prison. From experiencing all of that to now asking, are you the one? What happened? Whenever Jesus, in, in the Gospel of John, before Jesus was baptized, as Jesus was coming around in John chapter 1, John the Baptist said, look, that's the one. The Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. That's the one I've been talking about. How did he get there, though, to asking, are you the one, Jesus? Two things, church, two things happened here. First, John was led in a great time of testing. And second, his expectations were not being filled. So point here, right, right here, church. Great times of testing come after times of victory. How many know that to be true? Great times of testing come after times of victory. We see this pattern over and over and over again in the scriptures, all right? We see David on the run after he had his great victory over, over Goliath, remember, in the Philistines, 1 Samuel 17. Later then, he's running for his life. And he's running away from King Saul. King Saul's trying to knock him off because he's jealous. He's getting crazy. Great times of testing come after times of victory. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, he's on the run from Jezebel. And he becomes really depressed after the great victory over the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. Great times of testing come after great times of, everyone say victory. Victory. It's the pattern over and over and over again. Jesus encounters Satan's temptations after his public baptism. All right, in Mark chapter 1, it says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days. That's a long time. Long, long time being tempted by Satan. It's not just, it wasn't just a one-time event. 40 days. Great times of testing come after great times of victory. You got it. See, it's almost like, um, how many of you guys have had a bad experience with a real lemon of a car? Just like a used car that just breaks down and, and you just have horrible luck. Anybody have a car like that? Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm not alone. Good. Um, Lydia and I, when we were in college, we had a 2002 Chevy Malibu. Um, and it was, it was okay to start. And how many you know whenever one thing happens, the next thing happens, and they're totally unrelated, and then the next thing happens? So we're coming back from church one time, and uh, we had no, no indications that anything was wrong, everything's great. And how many you know whenever that dashboard starts lighting up, Something's going on. So we see the temperature gauge. And all, all the way to the very max of the part, the lights are blinking, things are chiming away, and she's like, get off the road. All right, there's steam coming everywhere. Thermostat blew. So that was one thing. And then we're coming back from St. Louis maybe a couple weeks later. Um, the oil, the low oil light comes on. I'm like, what's with that? We just got a little change. What's going on? Um, and sure enough, oil's you know, leaking everywhere, and it was oil pressure switch. I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? And it's just one thing after another. How, how many of you guys know that sometimes things happen that are out of our control, but whenever we respond with great patience, we're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. But we don't ask for better patience because that means more <laughs> trials or testing will come. What we ask is, God, get me out of this. I don't want any more of it. And yet, through that time, he's growing us. He's developing us, right? So with the car, I said, all right, Lord, we just need, we just need we just something new. And, you know, sure enough, that car just, it, we had enough of it, you know. But then it's just, it's just a pattern. That, that one thing happens after another, that testing comes usually after great times of victory. 
for John Church, he was at the very, very top of the mountain. And as soon as Jesus comes and is baptized, he knows his mission is completed. He's prepared the way, and now Jesus has come, and people are following him. But let me end you on another secret, church. I'm sure you know this already. When it comes to testing, when it comes to trials, God doesn't guarantee us a worry-free, scot-free life. In fact, he promises the opposite. In this world, you will have many trouble. Well, thanks, Jesus. That's great. That's not what I wanted. We will have trouble in this life. He does promise us, though, to be with us through it and to work through our questions and our doubt. But John, in the prison, hearing of Jesus' works, he, he's thinking to himself, this isn't adding up, though. Okay, I, I did what I was supposed to do, Jesus. Why am I here? You're, out, you're doing your thing. You're, there's the miracles. There's great things happening. Why am I here? We might assume for a second that maybe, maybe John thought that Jesus would break him out of prison and, and he would start this, this, this kind of new Messiah that he would overthrow Rome. No, that's not Jesus' mission. So many people thought the Messiah it was a political end. But no, no, Jesus had something more in mind. But John's thinking, wait a second, I preached about this. I said, Jesus, that you were supposed to to separate the wheat from the chaff, and I thought you were going to baptize with fire, and you were going to consume people who were in a state of rebellion. What's going on, Jesus? He had different expectations of Jesus. You see, church, if we have incorrect expectations of God, we're going to be frustrated. If we have incorrect expectations of God, we will be frustrated. God, you're supposed to do this, and he's not doing it. He's doing something else. God, why, what's going on? How many know, though, that he has, a, he has a better way? He has a way that we can't even comprehend to understand. Okay? We have expectations all through our life. This is what's supposed to happen. I plan for this. This over here happens. I don't like that, God. How do I adjust? Okay? We have expectations today that the Browns will beat the Steelers. Expectations? We'll see what the reality happens. Expectation versus reality. John talked about how, hey, it's, it's time. The axe was ready to be laid at the root of the tree, that evil was going to be defeated, that the Messiah was going to stand in the midst of the threshing floor of human life. His fan is going to be in his hand to burn up the chaff. You see, John was looking for, like so many others, a Messiah who was going to conquer. And you see that evident even in his preaching. John was like his disciples. You see, John, like his disciples, thought that they, Jesus was going to restore Israel. Look what the disciples say. Even after the resurrection, before Jesus ascends to heaven, look what the disciples say. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they say, Then the disciples gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was their mindset. Hey, you rose again. Hey, it's time. It's time to overthrow Rome. It's time to restore Israel to glory. And Jesus says, no, no, it's not for you to know. I got a bigger purpose. Wait in Jerusalem, and then you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, wait a second. You rose again. Where are you going? He ascends to heaven. He says, it's better that I go. But so many times, church, we have expectations of God. And he's saying, no, no, I have a better plan. I have a plan that maybe you can't even comprehend yet. Jesus surprised so many with how he was supposed to act. But church, God is moving even today. Amen. 2021, he's still moving. We can get discouraged by how he's, how he's acting or maybe he doesn't act in certain ways. But if you've ever been discouraged with God not working the way you expect, let me encourage you with this church. And this, 
this is just food for the soul here, is that God's plans are higher than your expectations. God's plans are higher, higher than your expectations. Or you see, God, aren't you supposed to do this? I have something bigger. Maybe I have something better. Maybe I have something that you, you, you don't even, you, it's not even on your radar. Look what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not, say, your thoughts. Neither are your ways, say, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, all right. All right, God, I might have misunderstood what's going on here, but that doesn't help the questions because I have questions of why, why things are happening the way they're happening. Why maybe you're allowing things to go this certain way. What's going on? I have to get myself out of this doubt. I'm having a hard time. Well, John was having a hard time, remember, and this is when Jesus responded. When Jesus responded to him, and Jesus responds to John's question with an encouragement. All right, church, and this, his response is a model that we can look at how we can fight against doubt, against questions. Let's look at what Jesus says here. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 4. Jesus replied, he said, go back and report to John to what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus right there, church, he's speaking as he's, he's actually fulfilling prophecy. This was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 35 and, and Isaiah 61. But what's fascinating about this church, John would have understood those words. He would have understood, hey, he, he's saying he's, he's the Messiah. Things are happening. It's, it's happening right now. Jesus is saying, John, you're, you were the forerunner. You're the one preparing the way. And you were solid and on your purpose. And I am now fulfilling prophecy. And the time has come. You don't need to look for another. I'm the one. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one that you believe in. You prepared the way, John. Now it's time for me to move and see what I do. But church, how does he do with this? How does, how does this work for us? Okay? We have questions. We have doubt. We have a hard time responding. Whenever we encounter doubt or questions, how does Jesus help us? The first thing, church, that... John did, or Jesus responded to John with, is Jesus responded him, reminds him of his purpose. Jesus reminds us of our purpose. Whenever we become disheartened, he reminds us of purpose. Our purpose, again, is to know God and to make others known. Right? The Great Commission. To go into all the world, to make disciples of all nations, to teach them and obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's our mission, the Great Commission. And our purpose is to know him, to enjoy fellowship with him, church. But let me encourage you, so many of us, and, and, I've, and I've heard this so many times. Oh, oh Joe, my, my time is over. You know, my, my time is, has gone. Let me encourage you, church, if you still have breath in your lungs, if you are still moving and working, if you're still alive, you have purpose. Amen? You still have purpose. Say, well, my, my time is over. My, this is, you know, no, no, you have purpose. That's how Jesus reminds us and how we fight against doubt. Well, why, why hasn't thing gone a certain way? You have purpose. There are people that only you will reach with the gospel. There are people that only you know that others don't, that you have connection with, 
that you can spread the good news to. You have still have purpose. So he reminds John, John, you have purpose. You, you did what you were supposed to do. You prepared the way. The next thing that Jesus reminds us of whenever we have those doubts is he reminds us of our person. He reminds us of our person or our identity, who we are. He reminds us of our person. Look what, again, it says. What Jesus follows up after he's, he, he preaches and he says, you know what? The deaf, they start to hear. The lame, they walk. The dead are raised. And then in verse 7, he tra- changes it as John's disciples leave and he talks about John. Look at verse uh, 7 of Matthew 11. It says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus, he's speaking to the crowd, and he's publicly encouraging and lifting up John. He's publicly praising him for what he did and what he accomplished. He spoke to the people and asked them, why did you even go out to John? This wild preacher man with camel's hair who's eating locusts and wild honey, why did you go to him? Because there was something happening. Because as he spoke, you felt something come alive in your heart. And as he preached about the forgiveness and repentance, you said, you know what, I need to do that. You prepared the way. It wasn't because John was fancy or had all the makings of someone that would be popular. He was a fiery preacher who challenged people. And what I love about what I love about John, he held nothing back. And yet he knew he was kind of a, a rough wild man. And yet he didn't let that deter him to speak out to people that needed to hear it. He spoke out to someone, to Herod and Pippus, that even though that's what threw him in prison, he, he said, you know what, that's what what needs to happen. I need to speak the truth. Church, we need more people who care less of what people think of reactions and more people who are going to be bold for Christ. Can you say amen to that? He was bold. He knew his identity. He knew his person. He knew his purpose. And Jesus reminded him, hey, John, you you still have a purpose. And John identity, your person. You were a prophet. You fulfilled your purpose of preparing the way. Church, don't lose your way due to your current status. And this is, this is the hard part. John is in the prison. He's saying, how can I, how can I live out my purpose and my, what, I'm, what I know God has called me to be if I'm stuck here? And sometimes we find ourselves in that pit, in that, in that prison cell. We say, God, I don't know how to accomplish what you want me to accomplish because of where I'm at. And what Jesus is saying through it, don't be discouraged. Look at what I am doing and what I'm trying to accomplish. Maybe times, and this is, oh, this is so hard. We pray less, God, get me out, and more of God, what are you trying to accomplish right now? That's a hard prayer to pray. Because all the time we want to say, God, get me out of where I'm at. And we miss sometimes what he's trying to teach us. Don't accelerate God's plan whenever God's saying, you know what? I have something for you to learn. I have something for you to grow and develop in. Don't miss out on what I'm doing. Don't miss out where I'm where I'm leading you toward 
But some of us, we feel like John. We feel like John because we're, we're stuck. We're in that prison cell where we feel like, I, I, God, I, I have questions. I still have questions. I know that you have a purpose for me. And I know that my identity is in you. I have questions. We doubt our current situation. We doubt God. We don't know how to respond. But let me encourage you, church. God can take your questions. Don't run away from him. He can take your questions. All throughout the Psalms, if you look at the Psalms, there are, there are times that the writers, they're in anguish. And they say, God, where are you? But then there's something that happens more oftentimes than not in these Psalms. Okay, we're going to look at one Psalm here, Psalm chapter 77. And we're going to look at what happens whenever he has those questions. God, what's going on? Where are you? And then there's a switch in his heart, and then he is able to resolve things. Okay, look at what with me. Psalm chapter 77, starting in verse 1. And this is not, it's not fun whenever this, this psalmist is writing. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated. My spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject me forever? And this is kind of like the climax of his, of his questions, the climax of his doubt. Will, he, will God ever show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And then stop right there. And after he pours out his heart, there's the switch. God, what's going on? Where are you? What's, what's happening? And then verse 10, then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will, everyone say, remember. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will say, remember. Remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. So what's happening here? Is this, this psalmist right here, this writer of this, this poem, he's saying, God, I don't know where I'm at. And my heart is, is in anguish. But then in verse 10, he switches to say, you know what, though, I'm going to remember what you've done. I'm going to remember those days whenever I felt your presence so strongly. I'm going to remember your, your provision or whenever you came through whenever I was crying out to you. Church, don't forget what God has done whenever you have the questions. Whenever you're in the prison cell like John, don't forget what he's done. That's why I love church. Have, have some sort of journal. Have some sort of, have some sort of memory where you can look back at God's provision. Look what God did here. Look what, look what God did over there. And what that does not do is saying, well, God only works then. He's not working now. No. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change from years past to now. Have we changed? Maybe. But it's time for us to remember what he's done so that whenever we're in that prison cell or in that pit, and when those questions and the hurt comes, we say, God, you know what? I'm having a hard time, but I'm going to look back, and I'm going to look back at what you did. You're faithful. You still are faithful. So the point here, church, that Jesus in our questions, he reminds us of his past faithfulness and his presence. He reminds us of his past faithfulness and his presence. You see, church, Satan, he wants to help us. He wants to keep us fixated on the right here and now. He wants us to say, you know what? God doesn't care. Look where you're at. John, can you, are you kidding me? You're in a prison cell? You used to be the top dog, the, the big preacher. 
And later, it's all going to be taken away. John, are you kidding me? How could you, how could you look back? Look where, look where God's taking you right now. And God's responding. Jesus is responding. No, no, don't forget. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget my faithfulness. Church, God looks at, he looks at everything. Aren't you glad that he sees the entire story? Guys, there are chapters not being written yet. Some of us say, well, this is all, that's, that's his. And I'm going to be stuck here. I'm going to be in this prison. No, no, no. Sometimes it's just a matter of that chapter, that page turning. And how does that happen? Church, we begin to look back and we say, God, I know you're still faithful. And as long as I have breath in my lungs, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. But for John, again, church, whenever he asked, are you the one? Or are we looking for somebody else, Jesus? And Jesus responds, this is happening. It's right now. Don't miss out. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart on maybe I'm doing things not what you expected, but I still have a plan. My ways are higher than your ways. Aren't you grateful for that, church? Because sometimes in our wisdom, we say, well, God, this is the best way. He sees everything. He sees the end of the story. He see, he's seen the beginning, the middle, the end, everything. He's outside of time. And yet we say, well, God, I can't see myself out of that. Good. Look to him because he sees everything. Put your faith in him because this prison cell is not going to last much longer. And it's time for us to say, you know, I'm just, I, I just don't have anything to offer. Stop. And say, God, I, don't, I know this is not your plan, but don't let me miss what you're teaching me right now. And help me not lose heart because you have a bigger plan. You have something bigger in store for me. And some of us, church, we've already said, I've, I've done my time. I've done my bidding. I, I'm good or it's for somebody else, or somebody else can, can do it. Church, as long as you have breath in your lungs, it's time for us to go to work. Amen? It's time for us to pray. It's time for us to say, God, what are you doing here? How are you moving? What is happening in, 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 in my world right now? Don't lose heart, church. Because so many of the times, there are so many Christians who are stuck in the prison cell asking the questions but not getting out because God's saying, look what I've done. I'm still on the move. Don't lose heart. I'm still working. I'm still moving. So for, for our family, you know, we have four girls. Pray for me, please. <laughs> Chloe, Emily, Lizzie, they're nine, nine, seven, five. And then we have baby Abby, who is uh, going to be two, two, yes, two next, in January. Wow. So just a little bit of our story. Um, and it's, it's not for, for you guys to, to think in a, in a different way, but it's more to, to, to look at God's faithfulness. After Lizzie, our, our third born, was born, um, we, we said, you know, God, we, we, we still think there's, there's one more. We still think there's, there's one more that, that you have in, in store for us. And, you know, a couple, a year, a year and a half later or so, um, Lydia got pregnant, and we had our first miscarriage. And it was totally off our radar. No expectations, nothing was there. And I said, God, what? what, what what's, how did this happen? What, what, what went wrong? There's no answers, church. And in our heart, we said, you know, God, we, we, want, we still know that there's, there's someone. You're still pressing us to, to say, you know what? There's one more child. 
and that we have another miscarriage. And I say, God, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. This is not according, this is not a part of the plan. Why? And in our brokenness and in our hurts, and there were days, church, that both of us, we just sit and we just cry because we just say, God, you've given us so much, but now we're in this pit and we, all we have is our questions. That's all we have. And he, he walked us through it and he said, you know what? I know what you're, I know you're hurting, but I'm faithful still. I know this happened and I'm not gonna give you maybe the answers, but I know you need to know I'm still faithful. And it was from that recovery and through from that hurt that we said, you know what, God? We may not know the plan, but we're going to trust in you. And I would like to tell you, church, that it was a 180 switch just on a day, on a dime. No, it was, it's a process. Some of us, church, were in that spot where something has happened or something is not happening. And we're in that prison cell like John. And we're asking questions. God, what's going on? What's happening? Let me encourage you, church. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget the moments where he's been faithful. Don't forget that he still has the whole story in, in his mind. He sees everything. You're not done, church. He has, a, he has a plan, a purpose for you. But maybe today you say, that's where I'm at. I feel, I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling in this prison cell. And I don't know what to do next. Remember your purpose. You have a purpose. Remember your person, your identity, that you are a son. You are a daughter of God. And remember his past faithfulness. Remember his presence. Friends, in that prison cell, where you're at, the story comes from the, the story in Acts whenever Peter and John, they're in that prison. What are they doing? Praising God. It's almost a ludicrous kind of crazy display to be worshiping God in the prison. How can you be worshiping? How can you be singing whenever your situation is like this? They knew something bigger was happening, and they knew God had not forgotten about them. Church, wherever you're at, whatever's on your heart, whether you're in the mountaintop, your things are going well, or you feel like you're in that prison cell, again, he's not left you. He's not, never, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And from that cell, from that place, from that pit, we can look back on his faithfulness but also we can start to worship, not in a foolish way, but in a recognition that he is still on the throne. He's not abdicated his throne. He's not, he's not left his duties. He's there. He hears your prayers. He hears your questions. And it's time for us to say, God, I don't know the plan, but I trust in you. I'm gonna give it to you. Would you heal my heart for not doing things the way I thought would have been done. Heal my heart and change me because this is still not going the right way I feel like. His ways are higher, church. Sometimes it doesn't, that's not the, the perfect answer, but I, I do know he sees everything. Amen? He sees everything. He sees it all. So again, church, we need each other we need him. We can't do this life alone. We need each other. He's created us to, to be in relationship and fellowship with one another, to be part of the body of Christ. So as we begin to, to sing and play this song, my prayer for you, church, is if you feel like you're in that pit, in that prison cell, remember what God has done. Remember that he has a plan for your life and then begin to give it to him. Say, God, I don't, I don't see how this is going. He has a plan. God, this is not how, what, I, what I thought would happen, but your ways are higher.
as you start to give it to him, there begins a freedom that, that wells in your heart that says, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I know my God does. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As the worship team just begins to, to sing this song, my invitation for you is this, to come this morning. If you feel like you're in that, that prison cell in that pit, it's time to come to the altar. It's time to say, God, I recognize I'm not in control, but I need to know that you're still with me. Or I need to be reminded of your provision. Or I need to be reminded that I'm not alone. Wherever it is, God, wherever, wherever our heart is, we say, God, I just need fresh encounter with you because I know what, what I'm going through is not what you have in store. Church, your whole story has not been written yet. We have a purpose. Amen. So I'm going to pray as the worship team begins to, to sing. Come to the altar. Someone's going to pray with you. It's time to lift up and say, God, I know you have a plan. Amen. Father, today I pray in Jesus' name, that your church, Lord, would be reminded of your, your past faithfulness, God, that you were still faithful. We would be reminded, Lord, of your presence, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That we would be reminded of our person, of our identity, that we are a son or a daughter of God, of you, Lord. And Lord, that we would be reminded of our purpose, that we have a purpose, we have a plan. As long as we have breath in our lungs, you have a plan for us, Lord. So Lord, today I pray that the freedom would well up in our hearts and peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding would come unto our hearts, God. We can't explain it, but we know, God, that you are in control. So this morning, God, we give it to you. And Lord, we give our hearts to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you would like prayer, come up to the front. It's not going to be a formal dismissal. Let's just take, make this time of prayer. Let's just open up the altars and say, God, I give my heart to you. I'll see you this morning.